I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking about Batman Adventures, issue eight, which came out April 6th, 1993. Kelly Puckett writing, Mike Parlbeck pencils, Rick Burchin on inks, Rick Taylor on colors, Tim Harkins on letters, and Scott Peterson editing. This issue featured a return of the fan favorite villain, and it's a Summer Gleason-centric story. We made a guess as to what what the fan favorite villain was. I think you guessed Poison Ivy and I guessed Riddler. If that, if memory serves. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we were both wrong. Yeah. Well, I, I, I had, I had no idea who Summer Gleason is. Really? Yeah. She's, she's in uh the Batman animated series. She's in there. She's like, admittedly a bit character. She's just like a news reporter that like does some exposition every once in a while in Batman, the animated series. Like you really don't get a whole lot of summer Gleason at all, which made this issue actually such a treat because for people who are like Uber fans of the show, got a little behind the scenes, got a little extra, little, little extra taste. In there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, I keep on forgetting to, uh, to, to spool up the show. There were some episodes that in particular that I wanted to watch in the lead up to this, but we'll get we'll get to that later. Uh, I didn't end up watching them, but I think I recall them vividly enough that I should be fine. Maybe fingers crossed. Question mark. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) let's get into the stuff on the stands. We're going to change it up a little bit because Detective Comics and Batman both double shipped, which means instead of getting one book in the month, you get two. And to make this not two detective comics, two Batmans and a shadow of the bat before we even get to our regularly scheduled program. I was thinking, and you know, Jason, if I'm way out of line, you know, let me know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I was thinking that we'll do shadow of the bat. And then because detective and Batman are part of the nightfall story that we would kind of group all four of those issues together. And I will be, as quick as possible at, with incredible brevity, I will tackle them. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't foresee that being any problem. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about shadow of the bat 12 first, because that was right. a non nightfall issue. And it was a continuation of the human flea shadow of the bat 12 was on stands. Alan Grant writing Vince Giorano on art. Cadaver's plans comes to light. He steals the fleas from the flea circus, killing question mark the old man who ran it and the father of the man in the mech suit who calls himself the flea. The flea thinks Batman did did it because he sees Batman outside of his window after he sees the old man dead. They tussle for a while before Batman convinces him that he didn't actually kill the old man. And then they decide to team up so that I guess the flea can get his revenge and Batman can bag cadaver cadaver, who was the one who uh, knocked out the old man or killed the old man. It's it's a little vague on that. I think killed him. I'm not sure uh, who stole the fleas uh, gets away into the night and gets to start to put together the next piece of his plan. He uses the animal rights henchman 
to break into a lab that is doing animal testing. While they go to free the animals, Cadaver and his his other henchmen uh, go to steal uh, a bunch of bubonic plague, which I guess is in the same facility. He infects the fleas that he has stolen with the plague. He decides to release them at an Edgar Allan Poe play. Batman, with the help of the flea, stops the rig that Cadaver set up to release the fleas. Batman kills all the fleas by putting them into a bin with like three flashbang grenades. The city saved. Batman goes after Cadaver. He f- Batman finds Cadaver in the process of killing himself with a giant hanging sword. We know that Cadaver is terminal from a, a tumor or something going on, but Cadaver wants to go out in a in a bloody terrible display he wants to die thoroughly yeah the whole the whole sort of uh sort of damocles thing you know yeah exactly exactly yeah very dramatic he's a very dramatic bitch he is this cadaver cadaver is so fucking extra jason he's a he's a messy bitch as the kids say (laughs) and which I, i i know i know phrases like that will never sound right coming out of me you know they'll always sound like stepdad trying to be cool kind of tone but like you know i I don't know any better phrase for it than he's just being a messy bitch that's what we should have named the podcast stepdad trying to be cool (laughs) so cadaver cadaver tries to kill himself with the giant sword batman stops him just in time some really great art from uh vince giorano like of batman holding the sword just in general like some some really great art from Vince. The motion of the um, of the Batmobile in a lot of the panels was really, really great. Sometimes artists really struggle to draw cars. He like killed it. He even did like a fairly goofy Batmobile design, which is not his design, but just the way the Batmobile looked back then. And he managed yeah. to look, make it look pretty cool. I was like, oh, damn, Vince coming in hot. Love it. Yeah. I mean, that's about all I liked about this this little arc was like I, I liked the art. I thought the art was like it was either like at its worst it was like pretty standard '90s superhero art, and then you know at its best it's like like you said some I think some really good action and some really nice like set pieces. You know those like yeah those panels cr- that you copy when you're a kid. You're like right the crypt really cool that uh, that um, cadaver sets up in is really, really great. Like Vince just like chewed that scenery really well. Uh, that was yeah, in the previous it, it, issue. I think we made a, we made a mention of it. Yeah. It reminds me of some earlier, um, vertigo, uh, art, like the sort of like house style in the early days, like, yeah, when yeah. The imprint first started. Right. But yeah, but this, this, uh, I just, I couldn't, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't take the, the flea, <laughs> seriously take the flea seriously i I I actually anything anything having to do with because they played it so fucking straight man they played it so straight and nothing was was a joke jason yeah i was looking for an i was very very serious (laughs) yeah i was i was looking for an irony angle and i'm like no they're playing and i get and that's fine you know that's fine but i'm just like i can't engage with it you know like i'm 
my suspension of dif- disbelief gets knocked out every time. It's like, I'll handle the fleas. I know what to do with it. You yeah, right. know, or There's like, a great, I think I tweeted it. There was a great panel of Batman being like, I've got to stop a thousand fleas. <laughs> it's like him grimacing at the camera. <laughs> yeah. And even like, and even Batman being like, wait, you can build this mech suit that gives you superhuman abilities. Why are you living in this hovel with your grandfather? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that bit, that bit yeah, was so f- good. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, he was That's like, a good freaking he was question. like, if you needed money, you could have just patented this this thing that you did and been like a millionaire. And the guy's like, oh, I didn't I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually so I know that. You were you said that you were only really into the art, but man, I kind of loved the whole human flea concept, the whole thing. I think I just really loved it, Jason. I this this elevated from sensible chuckle into, okay. I think this is actually pretty good. Like, I actually (laughs) think that that people should read these two issues of the human flea because it's it's very weird. But I also feel like it encapsulates the time the way 90s comics are without being without being too wordy and without being so stupid that it's like i don't know like a lot of these books are like stupid and boring and this one was stupid and kind of like kind of aware of what it is like i i feel like the critical piece of this is that it is almost aware of what it is but it's never quite there and i feel like a lot of 90s comic books kind of exist in that space where it's it's very sincere in like what it's trying to do and what it's trying to do is very stupid that's yeah it's a very good point i think i can definitely enjoy it on that level when you were saying that it flashed to me that uh there was a time a while back where um i would get home make dinner and uh, it would be an hour before Jeopardy. And I'm like, well, what am I going to I'm flipping around the TV and like I found this channel that was just playing hours of reruns of Quantum Leap. And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, Quantum Leap. And like after and, the, you know, that became like a routine. I would just watch whatever, you know, episode of Quantum. And I'm just like, this show is so ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> this show is yeah, so. Totally. And it's just, and it's just like you said, it's like it, it it's like it seems to creep up to a line of like unknowing uh, how dumb it is and then careens in the other direction and just commits to it and you're like all right, right. but you still have fun you know you're still having right. fun with it yeah i man yeah it, it encapsulates that whole vibe of like we kind of know how stupid it is we're gonna roll with it but we're still like very genuine and we, we very much want to be i i feel like a lot of 90s media exists like that because I don't know. I don't know if this is a complete thought, but we haven't gotten like I feel like media now is like very self-aware, knows its goals, knows how savvy the audience is. So it 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 knows that like, you know, people are going to get it or whatever, you know, yeah. so it can like take weird chances on like odd things. But like back in the nineties, they were trying to make everything for everybody. And I feel like it would flirt with these ideas that, that like get fully committed to now, 
but but this back then like it doesn't really happen but like you could tell that like there's a weirdo in the writer's room you know what i mean like <laughs> there's somebody in there who's pushing for some odd stuff or just like the hilarity of the situation or whatever you know that's a good way of looking at it that i hadn't i hadn't really thought of before of like someone just being like i just want to do a weird story you know like yeah no he's the human flea that doesn't go much deeper than i'll make up a backstory for it because yeah you know i i i want a different like an antagonist in this story and i'm not going to spend 8 months thinking up of some perfect so like he's a human flea you right, know what we're right. gonna lean into it here yeah. here it is what can fleas flea. do yeah yeah what do fleas look like what are they good at yeah yeah that's a that's a good point that is that is really interesting too comparing it to now where like it feels like now like you have to make if you're making media you have to make it with like some sort of like wink at like oh we know this is you know right. instead of yeah just, yeah yeah I also Instead of just having I the audience like, buy in. I feel like the um if you made the human flea now, he would be like a hambone, deadpool, like jokey. Like it wouldn't be as it wouldn't be as fun, I don't think. Like I wouldn't have as much fun with it reading something like that. But with with this where they play it so straight but they also are simultaneously aware of like how stupid it is. I'm like, I'm, ki- I'm kind of in, I'm kind of in. Yeah. I think that's a good, you know what? That's like the way. And, and I'm, I'm sort of lukewarm on it so far. I'd want to finish the series, but uh, in invisible, like that's why like invisible didn't quite like a lot of people liked the cartoon and I thought it was fine. Invincible. Invincible. Yeah. Invincible. That's I what thought I you were talking Did about the invisible? invisibles and I was like, I, I haven't thought about that oh. comic book in freaking forever. Oh, it's one of my favorite comic books of all time. <laughs> I, I haven't read it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think, remember. I mean, I think I think the filth is better by a little bit, but like, yeah. Yeah. But you were saying about Invincible. Oh, yeah. That's 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 why I think like Invincible sort of works, because like, I mean, you know, Kirkman's like, what, like about our age. So this is yeah. also the stuff he grew, he grew up on, you know, so it's just like all, you know, oh, a world full, full of superheroes. It's like. Yeah, exactly. I got to get the book out. I'm not going to spend years, you know, researching into this thing where like the character is going to be there for two issues and then they're either going to go away or I'm going to kill them off. Right. I just need I need a character fodder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I have to take it seriously because this is I I want everyone to take the rest of the story in the book seriously. Right. Right. It can't be jokey. Jason. Nicholas. It's time. It's time for nightfall. Nightfall. You got nothing. <laughs> Beg for mercy. Scream my name. Never. Give me a quick, I will break you. you are- Give me a bane, <laughs> I will break you, Jason. I will break you. <laughs> That's a very yeah, inquisitive. Did. I was thinking more along the lines, I will break you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess that does lean more into the uh, the pro wrestling side of Bane, and I was going more for the Tom Hardy right, side right, of Bane. Right, right. Well, e- I, either one, either side of Bane is a lot. It's just yes. he's just a lot. He's a fucking opera villain. <laughs> so uh, Bane has broken Arkham Asylum. Everybody's loose. Batman's whole rogues gallery is out there. Did you notice, by the way, 
there was a shot in one of these issues and we'll we'll get into the specifics of the issue but i I just thought of this and i really loved it and so i'm gonna bring it up right now there was a shot where batman and robin are in a full page spread and they have like all the faces of all the villains that are up and out of arkham asylum and batman's like all the freaks are on the loose or whatever he says something stupid and robin's like yeah boss and and uh did you notice that Doug Munch and uh, Norm Brayfogle, the writer artist, put themselves up on the board for Arkham Asylum. I did not. No. Very, very good. Very, very good cameo. Yep. I, I, I always love those. I always love when it's very when when you know the creator and you spot that and you're like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah. Let's talk about specifically what we got on our hands. Um, I'm gonna run through it real quick, like like stupid quick because you know these are a lot of issues and then we'll just talk about like what you came away with like what your impressions were and uh anything that jumped out at you that you liked or didn't like and uh we'll go from there rather than trying to get too in the weeds of every story what we're talking about is detective comics and batman which both double shipped they shipped with a special logo on the top of the comic that said nightfall they were numbered one through four in addition to the regular nightfall numbering we're talking about detective 659 and 660 as well as batman 492 and batman 493 other than a couple of b plots they were mostly one-shot stories about patients who broke out of arkham and batman's efforts to you know recapture them the writers on these were the same writers that we've been getting on Detective and Batman previously, Doug Munch on Batman and, and Chuck Dixon on Detective. Norm Brayfogle, who drew the first four issues of Shadow of the Bat, actually drew the first three issues of this. So he had a new Bat book on the stand every week for three weeks in this month in April 1993, which is pretty neat, but he was definitely working on this stuff well in advance, which might it might account for like the fact that the lead up to Nightfall had some pretty weak bat books because the writers had to have been like writing for Nightfall while also simultaneously writing for the regular monthlies. Yeah, yeah. And they want to pay attention to the like, here's the big like big story thing we're doing with Batman and it has to right, hit, right. you know. And then they're like, I guess I'll also write this story about Hugo Strange sending out tapes, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Norm Brayfogle drew Nightfall one through three and Jim Ballant drew uh, issue four. Jim Ballant goes on to draw Catwoman for like many, many years or the Catwoman regular monthly has not started yet. I don't think it starts till 94, I think, but I'm not totally sure we got in these issues. We got Batman versus Mad Hatter a villain who is hat centric. If you put on a hat that he has engineered, he will mind control you. We have Batman versus Amygdala. Amygdala is just, you're just cracking up at Mad Hatter over here. <laughs> Trying to silently laugh at Mad Hatter. Uh, Batman versus Amygdala. Amygdala is just like a big dude who's kind of dumb. Batman versus Zaz. Zaz is just a serial killer. And the last issue was Robin caught between Bane and Killer Croc kind of having a rematch from their previous fight. Bane tests Robin's loyalty to Batman. He doesn't kind of 
really understand what to make of Robin. Like he understands Batman really well. He doesn't really see Robin as a threat, but more of like kind of this wild card. He doesn't really understand him. And so he tries to kind of like swing him to Bane's side a little bit. They get ambushed by Croc. It ends with them in the sewer fighting. Robin's trying to break free and a bunch of water washes them away. We don't know what happens after they're being swept away by the water. I don't know if Robin escapes or whatever. I guess we'll find out in uh, Nightfall number five. The other small little thread through this whole thing is that Ventriloquist is looking for his puppet Scarface and he has a sock on his hand as Sako in the meantime and Sako is helping him look for Scarface <laughs> and that's it that's the that's the whole kind of thing I was really curious about like how they were going to divide up these books because I didn't know if it was going to be two writers on each book and they're they're both like co-writing the whole thing or it was going to be one writer on Batman and one writer on Detective and then they were going to be separate stories but they all kind of were like these one shots it was kind of like Batman Adventures which is weird but okay I'm in yeah well I mean I think I think that was more of a function of like you know they still had all you know this is still the newsstand era you know, so yeah. like even though they're doing this like big complete story, they're like, well, not everybody is going to, you know, be able to get all of these at once. And so they probably just had like, I imagine like an editorial meeting of like, OK, here's the big plot points. And then here's what you can and can't hate writers. Here's what you can and can't do in a nightfall book. Yeah. yeah. What do you think those outlines are? What do you what can they can and can't do, do you think, based on reading these? Uh, it's it's probably um, make sure there's reference to the Arkham breakout and then you have to have a short explainer of whatever villain you're using, you know, because some someone yeah. some people in Gotham's uh, in Gotham's in Batman's rogues gallery is, you know, there's a lot of them. Uh, yeah. And then I think also a, a small but clearer reference to Bane you know, and Bane's yeah. involvement in, in it, you know, and like those are all threads in all four of the books is like there's a reference to Bane and his crew reference to the breakout and introductions to the villains in case you either forgot or didn't know right who these people are. What was your favorite issue out of these? Oh, God, I mean. I didn't really like any of them. I, <laughs> oh, I liked. No. Oh, no. I like the ventriloquist one because he's an interesting villain to me. Yeah. Um, and so, and any of those will always pique my interest, especially the end of the issue where Batman finds ventriloquist and we don't know what's going to happen. But like when he comes upon him, Batman's first reaction, like at first he's angry and he's like, I'm going to, you know, whoever this is, it's going to take him back in and reassert my, and then he goes, oh, it's you. And he feels pity for the guy because he's just like, oh, right. this guy is legit, like not all there. And so he has like a, a compassion for him. And so that was interesting. The also, other stuff was just kind of ventriloquist without Scarface is far less violent. Exactly, exactly. And and it's and it's interesting, too, of like, it's just an interesting thing as like a writer of like, OK, well, I have this villain. They're obviously not going to let him have the puppet that makes him turn into a violent mob boss. Uh, in in a you know mental institution so uh well he'll make a sock and okay but like 
he's not going to have the same personality because it's not Scarface. And it's like, okay, now you got me. Now that's an interesting thread to start pulling on and like all the different like things you can do with that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the Mad Hatter issue. It's so stupid. <laughs> can, can we just for a second? Here's what here's why I really like the Mad Hatter issue. First of all, he started the issue knowing full well that he's being manipulated by someone. He doesn't know who, but he's like, somebody broke us out for a particular reason. And he's like, I'm going to figure it out. And he tracks down birds, bird and bugs the bird. You know, so he's like trying to get back to Bane in order to like figure out what's going on. And I thought that was like a really interesting hook that like not everyone who escapes the asylum is going to be like, oh, I'm home free. Just what a blessing. Like, yeah, yeah. Instead, like Hatter's like, I'm going to try to get one over on everybody. The other thing that I really liked about Hatter is that he's a really ridiculous villain. And he invites some other low ranking villains and henchmen to a tea party. And, and then I was like, why? First of all, why would you show up like you? It's the Mad Hatter. <laughs> yeah. So then they show up and Mad Hatter's got all his hats ready to go. Right. For for all the people to wear. And I'm like, you would never put on a hat, never put on a hat that the Mad Hatter would give you. And I'm like, how the hell is he going to put make these guys put on a hat? And then he just takes out a machine gun and in big block text, he's like, put on the hats. He's just yelling at them at machine gun point. And I'm just like, oh, my God, we're like way off the rails. But it's also kind of stupid fun. I, I, I really enjoyed that moment. I really enjoyed that moment. Um, also. They pulled a, a villain that I, I wasn't really aware of called Film Buff, which is a guy. I had no idea. Yeah, it's no a idea. guy who like transforms himself, I guess, either mentally or physically. I'm not even exactly sure into different movie heroes or villains and then becomes them in order to do crimes i guess it's very very weird it's very convoluted it's yes very, very convoluted. convoluted so he puts on a hat hatter sends him out uh and he's like go investigate bane and then bane just fucking murders him <laughs> just beats him to death with like brutally beaten brutally. to death with fists yeah is, is yeah. like that that is not uh i would not imagine that be a fun way to fucking go no Especially yeah. while you're being mind controlled to do it, you know, <laughs> like I was just yeah, like, oh, my yeah. God, film buff. Sorry, bud. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What if what if film buff like new Taekwondo or something and could have put up a fight, you know, yeah. but, like the hats yeah. on him so he can't do shit. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a mess. Uh, so I, I actually kind of enjoyed that. There was stuff in the Mad Hatter issue that I really, really liked. The other thing was, is uh, I remembered from reading this, I probably read this the last time I read this was probably easily 20 years ago. And I remember thinking there's all these shots where Bane is kind of absorbing the chaos around him. Like he's watching the news or he's like, you know, in my mind, what I remembered is Bane sitting and like reading the paper being like the chaos all around me that I've created, you know, like, but like, analyzing it 
and thinking about it and being like, wow, Bane's such a smart villain. I remember thinking that when I when I that's my memory of it. In reality, it's Bane watching like a talk show in the morning for like housewives. <laughs> yeah, he's he's watching uh, Kathy Lee and Regis. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like less about Bane being like a quote unquote smart guy and more about Bane being, I don't know, a stay at home wine mom, I guess. He's, he's not getting like good information, but it's also like this is, you know, mid 90s. And it's like, where are you going to get your information? Like, we don't have infinite sources like we do now. But it's like to, to think that he's going to sit here and watch like Gotham morning and like get a pulse of the street, you know, I thought was like really stupid. <laughs> you know, one of one of the things of uh, Watchmen you know, and Alan Moore writing like Watchmen as if like, you know, superheroes existed in the real world. And like his main point is like, yeah, they'd probably be fascists, you know, and they're pretty much all yeah. fascists. <laughs> but like also like, you know, that the very famous uh, line from Ozymandias after he I- explains his big, uh, you know, his evil plot and like and they're like, oh, well, we got you now. And he's like, what? Well, no, no, I already I already did the thing. Like, I, why, why would I tell you, like, why would I wait and tell you and not do the thing? You know, it's just right. like with like with Bane, it's like, well, no, if if you had this organization like this, you already would have just killed Batman. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you've seen him right. like his henchmen, his hench people bring it up all the time. He's like, oh, I saw him like pass out crying. He's not ready yet for me to. It's like, sure, <laughs> smart guy. Like, also, also, if this was set now. And somebody was like, I just saw Batman cry and then pass out. Put that shit on social media in like a second. In like a second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That that, that would be that would be trending very, right. very hard. There'd be. Yeah. Hashtag bat and, cry. Yeah. Yeah. And and then like and then like some like corporate Twitter account would get a hold of it and you'd be like, OK, it's over now. It's over now. Yeah. 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 It lasts 12 hours and then like Arby's would be like Batman cries at how much meat we have in our <laughs> new Arby's. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, ah, it's over. It's over. So, yeah, that was that was the start of uh, Nightfall. I, I, what, I, I don't know, even have high hopes for it anymore, Jason. I thought Nightfall I, I was going to save yeah. us from the regular Batman continuity and uh it hasn't really i usually so i usually try to take notes right like i'll read the books and then like i don't and then like i'll sit with it for a little bit and then i'll sit down and i'll kind of type out like what i remember and then if i need to i'll refer back and i tried to do that with these nightfall books and i'm just like ah croc and bane i guess like it just nothing like there's yeah nothing there's really not a lot stuck of substance with me too in much there. Yeah. yeah, like uh, something that stuck with me was in the Hatter issue. And I just anytime this stuff happens in these regular Batman books, it kills me. But like they're listening to the police scanner, Batman and Robin are. Mm-hmm. And Batman hears about a break in at a haberdashery. And of course, Robin being the stand in for a younger audience. Golly gee, Batman, what's a you know, what's a haberdashery? Yeah. What's that word mean? It's like, yeah, well, it's an old name for a hat. It's like. 
Uh, I just God. pictured Adam West and Burt Ward, like right, just superimposed right. on that moment, you know. But like other <laughs> other than that, there wasn't in the main Bat books. There wasn't really much that like you know. Yeah, uh, not a lot there. You, yeah, you made me come around on the Human Flea, which I appreciate. I came around on the Human yeah, Flea. I can't convince you to come around on this stuff. I'm sorry. I wanted to make a point of commenting on the art more in the podcast because we talk a lot about the writing. Yeah, that's true. A lot of the art in all of these issues really just serves the story and that's it. Other than Vince Girano, other than his art, which had like a little bit of flair and a little bit of craft behind it, like everything else just felt generally just kind of okay. Like we we've commented before that like DC is just getting the trains to run on time and that's what they care about. And they just sold yeah. like a trillion copies of the death of Superman. So I don't think they're really sweating, like getting like the hot new artists, but it's rough because like it's 93 and I know image is out and like people are starting to lean into like really incredible artists. Well, incredible for their day. And it's, it's frustrating to not see that on Batman and detective, especially in a big like nightfall issue you know like in in a big event you would think that they would be like packed with like you know stacked with talent and instead it's just like they're trotting out norm brayfogle again and no offense to him he he draws a good batman but i feel like he's like just past his prime at this point and like the industry in the 90s is starting to move on to flashier kind of stuff than he's doing and so it still kind of harkens back to like 80s, 70s kind of stuff. Yeah, but you, you just made me think and, and I'll try not to get to go too long on this, but you did make me think of like how uh, and we've talked about it in general before, but of how these days a lot of artists like if you want to make it in the industry at all, like a lot of times you have to be able to do everything and not only be able to do everything like, you know, pencils inks color but like this level now that's expected of like the art to be on every page but also come out on time it's like listen there's a reason why like saga comes out every other month you know because like the kind of art that she does is not the kind that you can just be like well i did eight hours on a page that's good you know (laughs) like that's that's not like there's a reason why like certain artists once they make a big enough name like frank quietly or whatever if he's on a series it's like that stuff's done so far in advance because the kind of work he does demands the kind of time it takes right and i think yeah i think in the in the 90s there was this there was this like you accepted both the fans and the companies too just accepted that like all right this might not be the class a stuff but like we need to get the issue out you know right, like and this right, guy's right, fast right. and he's fast for a reason like it's a it's a different time for sure yeah yeah totally let's talk about uh batman adventures issue eight the best bat book on the stands yet again yeah i think I, i'm gonna make a call right now i will be surprised whenever there is a better book than the adventures book at this point, you're ready to call it for adventures for the next, uh, what is it, 28 issues we have left of this thing? Yeah, for for at least at least as being the best, not saying that there are other issues that might not be good because I have enjoyed like Shadow of the Bat issues and 
you know, it even sure. had some fun with the other, you, you know, but like, I just don't, I don't think they'll be able to get better than Batman Adventures. Yeah. That, that's my prediction. It's such a, it's such a high bar compared to these other Bat books. I, I was actually, I was trying to think of, you know, why that is. And I think a big part of it is Kelly Puckett just, uh, just putting together really tight, beautiful scripts that are like nice little one shots and exist really well. I, I read his, I went back and read. So Kelly Puckett, apparently they were mentioned in one of the letters columns in uh Batman adventures, or maybe I read it somewhere in an interview. I can't remember, but he basically got the gig because of a detective comics issue. He wrote uh, a while ago and it featured these two old biddies who were kind of like murderinos, like murder heads before, you know, murderhead podcasts. Oh, exist. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, followed and, the cases and stuff. And yeah, so they would like follow the cases as just like retirees and they like stumbled into, gosh, I don't know what to call it, like a like a revenge hitman mob thing. Batman's trying to like, you know, uncover all the clues and everything. And the old biddies are like, one step ahead of him, not even behind him, like one step ahead of the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and so Batman keeps having these interactions with these two old ladies and he's like, you're going to get hurt. And they're like, we're going to see this thing till the end. And it was it was, <laughs> it was so good. It was it was I'll, such like a have to fun. Find that. Yeah, it was such a fun, fun read. You can see the DNA of Batman adventures in that. It's a little wordier. It's a little. um denser than a Batman Adventures issue. I think that he's purposely writing to a older audience in that issue. But yeah, in Batman Adventures, I feel like because they're talking to a younger audience, they're letting the art breathe a little bit more. And I feel like that is making it timeless. Oh, completely. It definitely doesn't have as many uh, heavy chains on it as the, the main Bat books do. It just just so many chains of like, oh, well, no, we can't have Batman doing this or we can't have this villain doing this like like, you know, they probably have face before it was a website. A Facebook was a book full of faces with people's names. If like, you know, you were <laughs> new at a college or something, that's like where, where the name comes from, kids. Um, but I imagine they also those editors probably had a Facebook for like, you know, Batman villains, you know, because it's like right. 50 years of it. <laughs> right. It, you know, so you have to go through and like all these like, you know, how like TV shows have a show Bible, you know, so. Like, right. So, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say like a show Bible where they're like, yeah. this is how these characters are. This is what we're sticking with. And at some point, the writers have to put all the toys back in the toy chest. And this is the thing that we're building. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I think on Batman Adventures is just much, much simpler. It's just like. Okay, well, it's Batman, it's some of the villains, but you know, this is more of a promotional thing for the cartoon show yeah, to have a tie. Don't be too wordy, like yep. just make it fun. Yeah, exactly. And was just like, oh, thank God. You know, like if you who whoever it is working on this book probably had the most fun, you oh, know, in their careers. Absolutely. You know, because you just get to get you, you get to get silly, but, you know, you still have to be professional and want to tell a coherent story, which you get to do because you don't have to worry about making it some sort of like 
you know, grittier nineties thing or sure, whatever. Sure. You can just make a fun story. <laughs> yeah. You know? Let's get into issue eight here. So this is, like I said, Kelly Puckett writing Mike Parobeck on pencils, Rick Burchett on inks, Rick Taylor on colors, Tim Harkins on letters and Scott Peterson editing. It has a cover of Summer Gleason, the reporter from Batman, the animated series, swooning over a, a broad shouldered gentleman uh, as Batman is hunched over in the foreground, clutching his chest with a what seems to be a bruise on his chin. He's been clearly clocked by this guy and he has a interesting shadow behind him. Hell yeah. This is called Larceny My Sweet and Act One is called Break the Bank. <laughs> I, I continue to love these splash pages. This is such a great opening to the book. You yeah, know, just- yeah. The splash page is this giant henchman thug dingus mug like, or, or lug he's a lug he's a lug he's yes perfect he's a lug and he is crashing yeah. through these glass doors just like glasses everywhere and his shadow is is uh all the lettering and everything for the axe and everything is in the shadow it's it, and we see on the floor it says first national bank so yeah. he's busted into this bank and he's he doesn't even worry about the security cams. The security lights going off. Uh, Batman hears it. He's like a couple blocks away or whatever, uh, standing on a gargoyle brooding. He jumps into action. Oh, loving the gradients. I'm just lo- I love all the <clears throat> all the inking gradients that he does this entire issue, but especially in scenes like yeah. this, like it just it provides so, such a great like noir kind of vibe yeah, Parabek is uh doing a lot of hatching and he's also instead of doing hard shadow he uses um like a i don't know what to call it it's like a wax pencil that kind of like puts down without putting down gray because it's black or not but it like puts down like a texture like a crayon yeah and so he's kind of shading batman with that stuff he i actually noticed Batman's like cowl, like his ears looked a little weirder. And it's because Mike Parlebeck's drawing the bat ears like just a, a little shorter, like a little differently. I will. Oh, I love I love the nubby ears. I yeah. love the nubby ears. Don't get me wrong. I love me a Kelly Jones giant like oh, blade yeah, ears, oh, you yeah. know, as well. But like. There's something about the little nubby ears that like, I don't know, it makes it look like um, it, it makes it look like those great. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but the uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but the legendary uh, Kadoshima Otomo, the creator of Akira. If you like look up like some Batman drawings that he did for like promotion. Oh, I didn't work, know he, he did look, any Batman drawings. That sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're 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 and it has the, you know, the little. No one can see me, but Man, you do. But the little nubby. When I when I get uh, indulgent about drawing Batman, I always want to be like, I'm gonna be like Kelly Jones and and like <laughs> put put long long ears because that's like it very much in my DNA as far as like what I was because I was reading like Nightfall when I was impressionable, and yeah. uh, Kelly Jones is doing a lot of the covers for that, and even um, Sam Keith drawn a lot of the Batman stuff with very, very long ears. I always think like, 
I got it in me to put these long ears. And then it always looks goofy and weird. And I'm like, I erase it in shame and put, put the little <laughs> nubby ears. <laughs> the, the long ears have defeated you. Yes, they, they definitely have. They defeated you. It's, it's, man, Batman's cowl is tough to draw. I, I Something about the way Batman's cowl is and also Wolverine's mask, like just straight up does not make sense. You, you can't think about it in a 3D space. You just kind of have to draw a shape. You have to heavily imply it, but then you start getting anxious of if right. you've implied it enough. Anyway, while Batman is getting to the first national bank, we cut over to a news van. WGBS TV and we got Summer Gleason and we get a character that uh, is new to the series. Her camera guy who's, who's the little backwards cap, little blonde guy, little smug attitude. Honestly, I mean, I love this art so, so much. And I love in the second panel on that page, just the establishing shot of the two of them. Like those are some yeah. great faces. Those are some yeah. just like this is like a more dynamic archie essentially is like kind of yes. what he's drawing yes it's the sort of style and i friggin love it it's so well done so we have we have them in the car and they're having a conversation like i guess they're looking for leads like they're listening to the police band like a regular mm -hmm. gumshoe would i don't know it's kind of doesn't make sense because she's like a tv news reporter but i guess they're they're hunting for scoops yep so they hear yep. the bank is being broken into. They decide to rush over there. We cut back to the bank. The lug has a sack of cash in both both arms, like one over the shoulder, one just dragging on the ground. Money everywhere. <sighs> if I ever like win the lottery or something, I am going to be demand to be handed like some enormous amount of cash in a bag with a dollar sign on it. <laughs> just once in my goddamn life. Yeah, I want to hold a bag full of cash with a dollar sign on it. We see Batman on his grappling line out the window, and then we see the shadow of Batman cast over the lug as the light comes through the window in this like beautiful down shot. Batman crashes through the window, and the panels get a little... They go from like very square to like a little messed up, like a little, yeah. a little weird because it's action. And they want you to feel it a little bit. I love the sound effects of the, yeah. the alarm going through, running Each through panel. all. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice, very nice touch. Batman swings in. He thinks, you know, this guy, I'm just going to clobber him like one, one quick take hit. Take the lug down. One quick hit. Take this guy down. Swings in. The guy punches Batman back before he re he realizes what could happen. Batman gets knocked into a desk and he is like down. He is out. Yeah. Knocked the fuck out. Yeah. So we see Batman knocked out and vulnerable. We see the big guy getting away with the cash. And then Summer Gleason's on the scene and she's she's like, OK, you go around this side. I'll, I'll go around this side. We'll catch the guy. But no heroics. You know, we just we're here for the story. That's it. And she comes around the corner and finds a totally separate crime happening <laughs> right with next some, to this bank with some beautiful goons. I feel like I feel like at some point I'm going to have to go back through this series and like make like my top 10 list of favorite goons. Yeah, know? yeah. I'm, I, I'm I still like I still think Ty Templeton bow tie guy is like a top 10 <laughs> goon. Yeah, yeah. That is a top tier goon. That guy stuck with me. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, the, the twins from Chicago last week, yep, I loved yep. like their, La- yeah, their, their last their, issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're super round heads. Like, we're just, <laughs> you know, and then just this is like this just like classic, like Dick Tracy style, like you got the pencil mustache and they're all in like overcoats and like big hats, like fedoras yeah. and stuff like. One guy uh, kind of has like a baby face, but he's like gigantic. <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. Dick Tracy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and they yeah and they re- Gleason, and they recognize from TV. Yeah, from yeah. TV. What, she that sees made, them committing a laugh. crime. Yeah, she sees yeah. them committing a crime, like roughing up this like homeless guy. It looks like I don't know what for. And then one of the guys is like. That's Summer Gleason from TV. Get her. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just like the idea of like of like wh- why did he have to qualify it with like Summer Gleason from TV? Like, no, no, no. That's Summer Gleason. Wait, your ex-girlfriend, the only woman you said you ever truly loved? No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. She 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 moved to Portland two years ago. She wouldn't be back in Gotham. Like <laughs> no the one from tv oh, oh okay. okay sorry yeah we should you, go you know. get her yeah 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 because we're we're thugs <laughs> and that's what we do yeah yeah that's what we do summer runs she bumps into a blonde handsome man with a rose in his pocket fixing his tie i like fixing that his tie. the slide yeah, yeah. just like inching inching it up a little bit He's coming out of clearly marked exit from a building. She bumps into him. She's like, please help me. And then the the goons are like, there she is, boys. Get her. <laughs> and then uh, we get a page of action of the uh, blonde, uh, handsome guy beating the tar out of these goons. Yeah, just fucking them up. Yeah, just one one punch knockout like on each of them. Yeah. Yeah, he's like he's like Brad Pitt's character in Snatch, you know, just. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Again, we have uh, the similar style from the previous issue. Great line of action through these characters, like they're really moving in a convincing way. Really great motion. Not only that, but like he keeps doing the thing where in the previous pod, we talked about how he drew Batman punching through the through the door through the slot in the door at the doorman in the underground boxing place and like the guy's head was ringing <laughs> yeah like he's like yeah. punching a bell and uh he's doing that a lot here on this page as well yeah well and i also appreciate not always having to do uh panel breaks you know because i i, I yeah. feel like sometimes like people think that like action demands that and like it panel breaks are are great but like they can get overused real quickly and then oh, and then it yeah. kind of deadens deadens the effect of it i do gotta say as a colorist too uh please please don't panel break please i'm begging you like when you panel break when you start to layer drawings on top of drawings then it's like not only do i have to do foreground middle ground background of like the drawing but now i have to do background middle ground foreground of the drawing then the foreground up from that from the next drawing and then i have to get that to all work together and and like make it clear 
you know? And I know, I know like some colorists will be like, eh, just color it, whatever. Like kids will figure it out. It's not a big deal. But I'm like, I, I want clarity on the page. I, I desperately want clarity on the page. Yeah. And like when you start to like overlap panels, it starts to get so, so hectic for a colorist to try to like put it, put that stuff together. Um, so please, I'm begging you from the bottom of my heart. Do not panel break. Do not overlap elements. Unless you're doing something like very graphic, I feel like, like some kind of graphic design element through the panels yeah. or something like that. That'll, yeah, that can be some fun. kind of, yeah, some kind of Kirby thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. He, he did that a lot, but I mean, he was Kirby right, though, right. too, so, yeah. Mike Oming, Mike Oming has done it for years and years and years. You want to watch a guy do a good panel break, pick up any book Mike Oming does. That dude actually yeah. absolutely crushes creative layouts. Yeah, I think I think panel breaking is one of those things where like it's it's just like a crutch. I think a, a lot of times that like younger artists uh, will will lean on a bit too much in, in lieu of like because action can be like because we're you know, we're going through these pages here and his action scenes, just like we were talking about in the last issue, are great. And they they do. Right. You do feel the impact of it. But like that's also like it's pretty hard to do, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so like for so, sure. Like, pan, panel breaking is a pretty easy way to be like oh it's action like oh it was a big like here's a huge punch right, because it's right. flying like you know it's breaking yeah, I this get, fourth wall i get thing. why people like, do it but i'm here to tell you that it doesn't make it more action-packed it doesn't make a non-dynamic drawing more dynamic it just yeah. confuses people it's it just like it, it muddles the clarity yeah just Focus on making a better drawing. Don't worry about the yeah. panel break. Unless you're Jack Kirby. The more you know. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, Summer Gleason with her, with her, you know, uh, blonde man. And he's like, are you all right? And she's like, thank you for well, for, and he's like, no problem. I, uh, and they're like <laughs> hearts spinning around them. Again, loved that. Love that. Yeah. And, and. And he drops the rose. He drops his rose. He drops the he drops rose his, as he's as he's panicking. And he's like, I have to go. Bye. <laughs> and she's like, wait, yeah. you dropped your rose. And he's gone. Shot of the alley. He's gone. Yeah. What a sweet, young, but very effectively violent man. <laughs> that's Jason. I'm in, I'm in love. That's all we want. Yeah, that's all I want. In our partners. Sweet and effectively violent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want them just like violent for violence sake but like, <laughs> no, no 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 that's not what you want effective yeah. violence yeah so uh violence. tell me tell me break down act two for me because we're getting into it act two loves a lost a labors which i really just again i'm loving the act um yep the, the act structure is great and they're having so much fun with the titles even even the font of it like the the font definitely looks like hand drawn like hand oh yeah know, put, put in by by the letterer you Absolutely. know like just lovingly like making it you know goofy and bouncy and mm -hmm. and so we have a, this great establishing shot of batman in the bat cave a battered bruce wayne who's just putting his bat suit back on covering up some bandages which some gauze i don't know he looks like he he probably bruised some ribs getting yeah. getting knocked back by the mysterious Oh, geez. What was his name? What were they calling him? God, the invisible man. Yeah, because he because he, he, he leaves without a trace. Yeah, they don't know who he is. 
Yeah, yeah. So Batman's uh, kind of curious about to who this invisible man is. He knows he's no mere bank robber because no mere bank robber can just like knock Batman back like that. I mean, I don't yeah. know, Batman. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, you should give your ego a check there, buddy. Well, oh, no but, one can beat me. Well, well, but th- no mere bank robber can knock out Batman like that. I don't know. Maybe he's washed. You know, look, it's maybe not he's about, washed. Look, all I'm saying is, J- Jason, it's not about ego. It's about <laughs> it's about honest self-reflection. Yeah. OK. Bat- Batman's like, I am the best. That yes. person's not the best. Therefore, therefore, something must be there's wrong. something else happening here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so he uh, he goes on a very <laughs> just again, just just a beautiful manhunt asking all all these different types of say, people around Gotham. I do got to say real quick, we do have a little bit of Alfred here helping him like like, you know, uh, bandage up before he goes back out. Is this the first time we've seen Alfred? No, no, no. Alfred was in the Ty Templeton Joker issue. So we've yeah. seen some Alfred before. Yeah. For Alfred's- a hot second, I, I, I thought it was first appearance of Alfred, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which again, I, I always like, I think the best Batman stories are when Alfred's like sort of barely there unless he's more a part of the story. You know what I mean? Like unless he's going to have an actual effect on the story. Yeah. You know, Al- Alfred should just be like a. Yeah, he's he's still the just, butler. Alfred know? should be a caddy remark in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless he has something to do with like, you know, whatever sort of black ops agent they want to retcon him <laughs> to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. <laughs> which fine. Right. Sure. I'm, you know, I'm, sure. I'm, yeah, I'm all whatever. That. Whatever you yeah. want, DC. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but just the uh, it just all, all, all the different like you know, underground uh, scenes of that Batman's visiting just in a jazz club, a quote unquote jazz club. I love that. The yeah, rabbit it's hole. Like, it's big band jazz too. Like he's, oh, there's yeah. like a full orchestra up there doing big band jazz. I loved that because it was like kind of indicative of the vague time period that they're trying to do with Batman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially yeah. Batman, the animated series or they're, they're not necessarily setting it in modern times, but Batman has a computer, but it's not like a computer like we know of. It's kind of like, you know, it, it spits out ticker tape and stuff like that, but it is a computer yeah. like it's doing voice yeah. analysis in the man bat on leather wings episode. Yeah, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, oh, he's hitting up like a big band, like jazz club. <laughs> so it's like, after all these. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, what time period are we in? Why is there a blimp? What is happening? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's great. And just the, you know, and the very quick like, nope, nope, haven't. The guy he has strung up upside down just casually, just nope. Just being like, nah, haven't seen him. Yeah. Nope, haven't haven't seen him. Yeah, you know, but but yeah, then we have uh, Batman's coming up uh, with nothing. He's coming up with Bupkis, and the the lug is just watching Summer Gleason talk about how they can't find him. Where is he going to strike next? And we see Summer in the next page. Just a great. I do I do like the hard transition going from the lug to Summer staring, and again a great face. Just yeah. wonder, 
I can't I can't say how much I I, I love this art. It is just stars in her eyes, hands on yeah. her cheeks, like leaning on a desk, looking at the rose, just like yeah. in love. Yeah. And in a bustling in a very clearly bustling newsroom, like got people are running around like waving papers and stuff. Yeah. This, like, yeah. Noisy. So newsroom as a Batman animated series fan. I mean, part of the reason why I wanted to do the show in general and read these books with you is because like I have watched Batman, the animated series, maybe. 30 times all the way through, like a lot. I watch I've watched it a lot and. Not only that, but I've like also been through the behind the scenes book like that. My copy of that book is falling apart about like how they described how they put together the show and everything. And like we never got a newsroom like in all of those episodes in everything we've Summer Gleason is always like on the scene somewhere, like giving some sort of uh, lore dump to Batman whenever or to whoever whatever the story needs so like that's all we ever get of summer gleason and in the previous issues we've had summer gleason kind of doing the same thing and so i was like oh you know whatever that that is her function that is the character's function and here we have a summer gleason story that's getting like fleshed out we're seeing like her cameraman and then we're in the newsroom and i'm like jason i love it i love it dude yeah well i mean because I can just think, though, that like <laughs> someone thought like, oh, well, should we do a newsroom scene where Summer Gleason is, and someone else is like, I'm not animating all those fucking bodies. No, right. She's a, right. She, she's a beat reporter. Put her on the beat. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah, out yeah. in the streets already bad enough. I had to do one crowd scene this episode. I'm not I'm not doing a freaking entire newsroom to establish that she's a reporter. Yeah, we have a camera guy. She has a microphone. Much easier to draw a thousand <laughs> times in a row. Yeah. So this this overhead shot, uh, Mike Parlbeck props to him. It's like oh, yeah. an overhead shot from like the ceiling fan of the newsroom. And there is one, yeah, two, that- three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's 12 bodies in the shot and one, two, four desks and a couple of doors and a water cooler and some radiators and the windows. And it's like a very tough shot to do. And it just looks beautiful. Like whenever I see shots like this in comics, I'm always like, I know where you, where it wants me to look. Cause it wants me to look wherever the tail of the word balloon is pointing. But I'm like, let me, let me check the rest of this panel. Let me see if they're like goofing some of the anatomy or whatever. Mike crushed it, dude. It's such a good oh, yeah. panel. Oh, it's it's great. And and yeah, like you said, the angle is just like it's such a hard angle. When, whenever I see panels like this and especially done this well, just for like my own my own edification, I try as hard as I can to imagine the uh, erased guidelines, you know, that were yeah. put down like where. Yeah, like. Like, honestly, I might just like trace it and try to like as like a lesson for myself in perspective of like right. where where things and how things are set up. And, and also how like because I think like the r- really tough thing about stuff like this is like you're not always going to want to keep it as true, you know, sure. as like possible because like it won't look the way you think it's going to look, you know. And so figuring that out as well, which ones to kind of like fudge enough you know without like 
as a, as a person who likes to draw a lot of backgrounds, I can say that he's doing a couple things in here that is making it very easy on him. He is pulling if there are perspective lines, he has pulled them way, way out of the field of view, which makes it almost and and I'm just saying, I don't know if he plotted perspective or not, but he's basically almost rigidly um, like all the lines of the desk all line up to basically the same thing. All the lines of the desks, uh, vertical and horizontal. But then he turns the camera just a little bit so that it looks a little bit. Uh, it, it doesn't look as like, I don't know, like clinical, like like boxes. It looks like lived in environments. Um, I yeah. would say that probably all of those lines are going like uh, uh, are, are roughly the same. And then he's doing a thing where he's blacking out the sides of the desks. So he doesn't actually have to draw like drawers in perspective and stuff like that. Like he's simplifying it in ways to make it look really interesting. The stuff that I really struggle with that kind of drawing isn't actually getting the room kind of knocked out because like especially with a room full of desks because they're all going to be kind of at right angles you're not going to end up with stuff that's like whenever you have something in perspective and you map out the floor and then everything's in right angles with it you don't have to put new perspective grids down you minute you turn something like 30 degrees then that has a whole new plot of perspective points because anything else turned 30 degrees also has to have those perspective points. So he doesn't bother with any of that. Like everything's pretty straightforward, like right angles kind of stuff. The stuff that I really struggle with is like, okay, we're, we're in the overhead. Like how do you draw a body foreshortened to make it look like it belongs in the space without it like falling apart basically all all of my bodies tend to fall apart <laughs> yeah because there's such there's such great motion in the whole thing of like you know yeah. the guy with the stack of papers the other guy running off in the other you know there's yeah a guy a coming and a guy room. going with yeah yeah, yeah there's they're shouting at people there's just yeah people having like conversations like yeah uh, it's it's just so good so some summer's trying to uh her her cameraman, the blonde haired ponytail man, backwards cat yeah. guy, is uh, trying to get her attention, but she's just uh, staring at that rose, thinking about that that handsome, violent man and how violence got her going. And now she's like, she has something <laughs> yeah. new to talk about to her with her therapist. Like, you know? Yeah, she's like, she's like, is this a problem for me? Yeah, did this awaken oh. something in me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so after that wild digression. Uh, we we have another great establishing first panel. These are these are very um, these these seem almost very like uh, taken from like Will Eisner's like you know how you should end a page and how you should begin a page. Oh yeah, definitely feels like thing. that. And 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 it, and it does work. Like I don't think that's the only way to do a thing, but I understand why right. he always like pushed for it because it does work really well and it makes things very clear and and speedy. I was taught in school that you like want an establishing shot of like the exterior of a building. And I was always frustrated because I felt like the comics that I was making while I was in school always felt like a sitcom. And it was because it was all these exterior shots before we like got into the thing. It was like, you know, 
the the front of Seinfeld's apartment and it was like and then it was like the actual <laughs> comic <laughs> but like this the the establishing shot is the lunk hunched over open what are they security boxes and the Gold alarm bell the going off yeah 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 uh such great little details and then yeah and, and then you're just, just like you're just right in the action immediately and you have yeah. everything you need. Like, I don't need to see the rest of the bank. I don't need to see what's going on. I know he's in the vault and he's like robbing it blind. Yeah. Yeah. He's in a bank and you know, here's bank stuff and here's the bell ringing and mm -hmm. here he is cr just, just crunching, just smashing the bell with his fist, which, you know, is a demonstration of how strong this guy really is. Right. You know, and Batman's right behind him. And I, I do love the let's try this again. Like Batman's ego was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. He and he's, he's all blacked out. It's the classic silhouette of Batman being like, let's go again. Yeah. And then he just spear. He just spears him. I, I love he just right. Just yes. dive, just form tackles him, you know, and just starts laying down the hits. But he gets uh, the lunk knocks him off of him. But what's this? What's Batman reaching for? Well, it's a little device and he freaking tackles him again, but then just gets his ass handed back to him. But he's got a little smirk. So I think yeah. he got what he wanted. Right. So Batman had like a little bat radio thing that looks like one part Batman tech, one part high tech. And one part of the vague era that it's in. So it's like this little, little antenna. Yeah, little antenna, little little, little antenna LED on it, little. you know, like yeah. so he's got some sort of uh, plan going. He, he, know, he knows he can't beat him hand to hand and uh, ends with the little smirk. And then yeah. the next establishing shot of again, it's so noir like you have the. Oh, yes. Yeah, this this like, next shot is so good. The phone, the like the futuristic, but like futuristic as if like what people in the 50s thought a futuristic phone would look like. Yeah. You know, is I think is a lot of the tech aesthetic of the animated series. You know, it's very right. Like, it's very art deco, but like world of tomorrow. Kind yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's got all these buttons and lights on it. And then it also has like yeah. a red light that it's ringing. And then it has this covered speaker. <laughs> that I guess is like for the speaker phone. It's very, very weird. Yeah. But it's it's like that and the rose and and like a clock in the foreground and then summer in darkness in the background. Yeah, the heavy shadows. Yeah, the heavy, heavy shadows. shadows. And then the great. the uh, blinds casting a shadow on the wall. It's like very classic noir. It's so good. Yeah. You know, she's just walking into her apartment that's why everything's dark and the phone rings and she's just like home again home again and the machine picks up uh she she literally jumps for the phone because it's the unnamed violent man who you know awoken something her in her in the alley who yeah dropped his rose the rose she's been pining over and she jumps and picks it up and is asked out for dinner and she's just yeah. all smiles a uh, real quick shout out to uh rick taylor on colors here when she's like talking on the phone mike parlbeck in the background is doing the slots of venetian blind shadows on the wall 
And then Rick Taylor ran with that, with the shadowing on Summer Gleason with some like shadows of the blinds on her body, but they're molded to the contours of her body. As a guy who's done this a lot in powers, it is a tough thing to navigate because you want to navigate the shadows that the artist put down. You're adding your own shadows and then you don't want to get it too convoluted. And Rick just he just crushed it. It like looks great. Summer Gleason is free for the night. She's free for dinner. And we start act three, which again, I, I seriously, they're just having so much fun with uh, with the act titles and yeah, the name of it. And and just to get the font of it, the beauty and the beast, like just this <laughs> big, like impact, you know, yeah, yeah. like just. Oh, uh, uh, just so, so lovely. And we see uh, Mr. Blonde Violent Man because he, he still hasn't given a name. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Blonde Violent Man is checking his watch, just waiting, waiting at this fancy restaurant. And he's told that he there's a call for him somewhere in back. Who could it be? I think it's thwip, thwip, thwip. It's the Batman. <laughs> yeah, he, he he grappling hooks them all the all together. Uh, I think it's kind of hilarious. Like when I was reading this, I was thinking I was like, did Batman just ask that waiter to like. Lure that guy into the back. <laughs> Because, like, I'm very interested in how that went. (laughs) Yeah. Or if he called, like, did he really call? And did he have to suppress the urge to do, like, a jerky boys prank phone call and (laughs) be like, no, no, this is serious. This is serious. Give me Christian Bale, Batman, jerky boys. I want that. (laughs) Hey there, sizzle chest. (laughs) Jason, please. All right, stay on target. Let's go. Come on, man. We got we so, got a lot of comic so left. Pretty boy gets yanked through the window with these like wonderful, just cartoonish chefs with the hats. Like in the, they're just drawn yeah. like little, but just in the background, just like so yeah. shocked at this. We man got being. we got a ratatouille situation back there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Batman's just uh, with a big old smirk because he's figured it out. He knows, right. Right. It's a clay face. He did a clay face. Oh, man. The next page where like Clayface realizes the jig is up and is the guy's like eyes go yellow and then he yeah. transforms into Clayface. Love the so transform. Good. So good. Love this. That, that's a great more like the face like stretching and morphing into the into the giant wide mouth like. Yeah. Weird job, job of the hut ish, like, kinda, yeah, oh, kind of head that he has. And Clayface is just, is just uh, like, you just couldn't let me win, could you? Could you? <laughs> like, yeah. just furious. Cause, like, you know, we've seen the, the blonde man be kind of like bashful with dealing with Summer, Summer Gleason. Like, one of the things that I really like this, and it's the same with like the croc uh, issue previous to this. Where like Croc is this fully formed character with like wants and needs like Croc wants to be accepted. Clayface wants to be like in love like it it's it shocks him when it becomes available, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely a more like fleshed out villain. 
rather than right. just like, you know, they're animal rights punks. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, right. The, the biggest threat to society in 1994. Animal rights activists. <laughs> so, you know, Clayface starts to give it to Batman with his giant mace hand. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't want to do this, but I won't let you ruin my last chance at. And he's about to he's about to get Batman. Batman's putting on some headphones while this happens. Some like noise canceling yeah. things. And then he sees Summer Gleason. There's this moment. Clayface is in full insane Clayface mode. Yeah. And then Summer Gleason sees him and she screams. And Clayface is like, no, please. This isn't what he wants. And he's got he's got the saddest puppy dog eyes now. Yeah. And then, well, yeah, because well, he's caught. Yeah. He caught. And he and he's like, oh, I wanted I wanted this for us summer. You know, like, don't look at me like this. Batman. Yeah. Seizes the opportunity, spears him to the ground. And he and Clayface is like, why? Batman pops open the buckle of his utility belt, blasts him with like a sonic wave. Knocks his ass out with it. I'm kind of disappointed that the the headphones don't have bat ears on them. Yeah. I just oh man, could you imagine bat ears upon bat ears? I would have loved it. Hell yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like a gamer cat girl streamer, you know? Okay, like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. At any rate, Summer Gleason catches up with Batman. She's like, Batman, please wait. I was I was supposed to meet somebody, tall, blonde, handsome. I don't see him. Anywhere did that did that thing. And then she's watching Clayface get loaded up into the car and she kind of like starts to realize and Batman in caption says, no, Miss Gleason, the person you described was never here. The last shot is the rose from Summer Gleason's apartment turning to like clay. And crumbling and says the end. yeah. I thought it was a pretty like dark, like hard turn right at the end. I'm like, whoa, right, right. But it was so good, Jason. It was so good. It, it was. It was. It was very good. Yeah. Again, Batman Adventures. Best book on the shelf, man. You want to hit the we, letters column? Yeah, we're doing letters. Let's do letters. So uh, I usually prepare for the letters column and I this is in a, in a cruel twist of fate after preparing for seven letters columns in a row uh, and then you being ill prepared for most of them. I am not prepared. Yeah. So hit me with what jumped out for you for the letters column. The, the biggest thing that jumped out to me was someone uh, they, they were all positive. There was nothing like too like uh, insightful, really. But like someone mentioned yeah. how they were usually just what they usually love the uh the the continuity books the books that are in canon and then any bat book that's not canon they usually just avoid because they're big yeah. you know they want you know the stuff that quote unquote matters but they picked this one up because they liked the cartoon and you know they loved you know they just say they're like oh my god this is some of the best batman stories i've read like in years you know yeah and just in my head, I'm just screaming. I'm like, yes, that's why you shouldn't care about continuity so much. Like, oh, my God. Like, I was I was going to I was yeah, going to look yeah. it up earlier today, but I forgot. But there's something like 10 continuity errors in like every film. Right. You know, they're just sure. like little things like it's just hard to get everything all the time. There's going to 
the cup's going to be red in one scene and blue in the next when it shouldn't Dude, be a... I found that, you know, I got I got a large television and I'm watching a lot of old stuff that was made to be broadcast 20 inches in four by three, like now is blown up to wall size 4K. And I'm like, oh, I notice is that stuff now, like little tchotchkes get moved around like scene to scene, yeah. shot to shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so but in, but in the superhero sense of like, you know, oh, well, how how could batman have done this when he was uh at supposed to be in a mountain halfway across the world at the same time it's like who cares who cares you know like why yeah. like 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 i, I can understand but if there's, it's something there's like, an idea you know, there's an idea of like the person who reads batman every month to figure out what batman's up to and he wants that concept it's like people who watch like days of our lives and stuff like that like they're yeah. there for their stories you know yeah, I, I guess I just never in my in my lifetime of being a comic book fan, I've never cared that much about the continuity of it. I was just like, was the story sure. good or not? Like, I don't care if like they retconned something and was like, oh, actually, that person was originally yeah. from Earth three. And like, I don't I don't care. Does it, it doesn't have any bearing there's, on the story? So there's a certain yeah. fan that that really likes that stuff and really appreciates it. And like, I don't want to, which is, you know, pissing their corn. Oh, flakes. yeah. So like, you know, whatever makes oh, no. them happy. But like, yeah, I never really got it either. Are you, are you laughing phrase. about about pissing, pissing in somebody's cornflakes yeah yeah because because i know exactly what you mean but like also at the same time i'm like yeah you know as you do when you want to <laughs> like really yes. really ruin someone's day oh you want to ruin look, someone's I've, day i've pissed in cornflakes for less jason i'm gonna tell you that right <laughs> yeah. now you gotta show okay. dominance early one of the one of the letters that jumped out to me was margaret O from chicago illinois wrote in and she is like, uh, she never really got into Batman, but she watched the animated series and, and now she's a self-described bat freak. She says her parents and her friends are worried about her. She said she decided to try out the Batman adventures. And she said, she goes, whoa, pretty hot goes for Robin, especially. And I'm like, Margaret O, you calm the fuck down. All right. <laughs> this is a public letters column for children. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're not allowed to be Randy here. Okay. I hope I hope that teen Margaret O is is living her best life now. Like wherever she is now, I hope she is living her best life. Um, and I hope that I she hope has whoever, found her her Robin somewhere. Yeah. I hope whoever her Robin is like dresses up however she wants her to dress up. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Some people were talking about how. Dick Grayson is in the costume for Tim Drake. That the animated series show has Dick Grayson, but he doesn't have him in his like Robin costume with his cod piece and like pixie boots. And they're like, yeah, and no, bare legs. We didn't do that. Right. And bare legs. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. We didn't do that. That's on purpose. That's by design. We're not going to put him in that costume. You maniacs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. And, and I thought it was funny that readers were, were, you know, trying to have this like gotcha moment with like editors asleep at the wheel. And Scott's like, no, no, it matches the television show. And this was a conscious choice. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> so uh, you want the stinger for the next issue? Give it to me. Next issue. 
Well, this issue got us all so emotional that we thought we needed to take a little break. So next up, it's all action. Slam-packed, whiz-bang adventure for 22 solid pages. Batman's got just a few hours to get the goods on Rupert Thorne. No problem, right? Only one catch. He's got to go through billions of Thorne's henchmen. Can even our Dark Knight run this gauntlet? Find out in Little Black Book by Kelly, Mike, Rick, Rick, and Tim. See you then. Scott Peterson, accused of confusing Dick and Tim. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been great if the next issue of Batman Adventures is like uh, a mid-90s like autobio style comic. You know, like a... (laughs) I thought you were going to be like you know, old boy hallway scene of Batman just roughing up goons for like 22 pages. I want I mean, that, that Shaolin would be... cowboy Batman right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, give me, give me that too. But, but it would just really be funny of like, it's Batman uh, adventures, but my dinner with Andre, you know, homage. <laughs> He's just yeah, just sitting like, at a next table. Next issue, my dinner with Batman thrill as we get some autobiographical stuff that we've never yeah. gotten before. <laughs> Yeah, we get really deep. It's like a therapy session, you know. Yeah, we just really we just heavy. dig we just dig right in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think we we make some progress though. We make some progress. So uh you want to hit the two read pile? Reading, reading, reading is all I love to do. Did you read anything cool this past week? I finished up one of the first uh, anthologies from uh, Iron Circus of uh, their fable anthology. Yeah, the the stories are so uh, they're well done. I really like how it's just a uh, black and white art, but like toned, you know. Yeah, and I love I love fables, and I love especially from like you know cultures I don't know a lot about. You know, it's like sure. oh, this is like from like you know based on an old like Myanmar folk table folk tale, mm-hmm. and like cool. But I but I have been leaning heavily on uh, I've been reading um, this uh, William Gibson novel, a sci fi author called uh, All Tomorrow's Parties, which, oh, yeah. the, you know, the title taken from the classic Velvet Underground uh, song. But uh, I've been I've been reading that I've been on just a sci fi kick recently and been reading that and watching uh, a lot of Cowboy Bebop, which I kind of do like nice, nice w- once a year or so. There's a, it's just one of my William favorite shows Gibson. of all time. Uh, William Gibson, of course, famous for sci-fi cyberpunk stuff, wrote a banger of an episode of X-Files that is like one of my top 10 favorites. Uh, yeah, if you can probably just Google William Gibson X-Files and get the name of it. But yeah, it, yeah. it's a uh, very, very good. Yeah, I like William yeah. Gibson a lot. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really digging it so far. I'm only about 100 pages in, but really, really digging it. And nice, you know. And, uh, you know, Cowboy Bebop is just it's always a good time for Cowboy Bebop, guys. Like, it is. It is. Well, you I'm not reading anything. <laughs> I have not I'm bringing nothing to the spot. I read one thing, but it was like I was kind of medium on it. So I, I was like, I don't want to bring something I'm not like, you know, full throated supportive. And uh, yeah. I've been I've been working a ton. I actually realized that part of the reason why I didn't read as much is because we read five issues of in continuity Batman before reading Batman adventures. So it was like, that is a yeah. whole trade in and of itself, a whole trade paperback. So yeah, just didn't yeah. read anything extra this month. You don't always have to. It's there when yeah, you want. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. 
I do have a stack though, man. I just bought the second Parker hardcover, the Martini edition last call. <laughs> Whew. I'm waiting to crack it. I still haven't cracked into uh, any of those yet, but I oh, thank man. you for sending them to me. I, I got them. I got them. They're there. I, we I should, them. man, we should plan to read both those at the same time because I would love to just be like, okay, we're not doing any mainline continuity Batman. We're talking about Batman Adventures. And now we're just talking about Parker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll that's going to be, be a special episode. I'd be down for that. Yeah, I'll be down with that. I'll take the um, I'll take the first book out and put it on my like physical to read pile I have next to my yeah. Dad. But I'll take the first very book out very to, uh, curious to remind me what your response is going to be to uh, to that book because I've read it a few times and uh, it's like rough around the edges and all like beautiful beautiful ways that like Darwin Cook is capable of it is just like so well crafted in like this really effortless beautiful way that is just like watching a master at work ah man i parker's so good i i didn't read anything new but apparently i'm bringing parker to the podcast because (laughs) holy shit that book is good Well, thank you for listening. Uh, As always, you know, likes, stars, comments, everything, word of mouth. It's all good. It all helps us. Uh, Jason, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, You can get in touch with me on Twitter at King of Black Acid, and you can ask me why the hell I'm still on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, the hell site. If you want to reach me on the hell site, I'm at Nick Phil. If you want to reach the both of us, there is a Twitter account for this show called World Second Podcasts with a number two. So World's 2ND Finest. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. I got that right. I got that right. Yeah. Yeah. World's world's Second Finest. Uh, And you can also, via that that Twitter account, whenever new episodes go up, it will post about it automatically. So you can get updates there. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, anyone, for listening to anything I ever say, ever. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Jason just on the street in the supermarket. Just Just, thank you for humoring Jason. Yes, I'm always appreciative. I'm always grateful for it. (laughs) But yeah, what about what about just uh, Gotham business daddy? And it's just (laughs) Bruce Wayne doing business in gotham no batman no absolutely no batman just gotham business daddy like where like bruce wayne decides to like take it a bit more seriously for like a he like promises someone he's going to take it seriously for six months and so you can just have like a story arc of like that's right. all the story is it's just this he's like, like look real you're batman again world. i made a promise yeah. you're batman again like just do whatever just don't fuck it up this time god yeah, God, Asriel. Yeah, uh, yeah. I told, like, I told like, Selena right. I'd give it. Yeah, I told Selena I'd take six months off. So now, so. now I'm gonna be Bruce Wayne, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this up. Like, I'm, I'm gonna be yeah. the business daddy." Yeah, but th- but then he meets someone like uh, then he meets someone like uh, wh- whatever 
this world's like Elon Musk or whatever would be. And he'd be like, oh, wow, these people are insane. Like these people are not very bright and they are insane. He's like, oh, no, I need to be the business daddy. Yeah, need, he's like he's yeah they need it yeah yeah, he, yeah he's like how can uh, you be this successful like, yet this dumb what what's yeah 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 and I, I heard they pay, and I heard they pay artists so like you know what good for oh, you oh yeah oh yeah like the furry community that, is basically like the tent pole that is holding up the artist community <laughs> <laughs> good for them for for them I will I will always I will always salute but Photoshop at this point. Uh, I don't think it was Photoshop, but it was, um, I don't know exactly. So, okay, real quick. The way that colors were made back at this time were artists would get, colorists would get a, a sheet of paper that kind of felt like money and they would marker render everything on the page. So you would have different mark making happening uh, all over the page. And then they would write down if they didn't trust their separator, they would write down like the, the swap Pantone color like name that would go in there or the, like the, the CMYK like digit fill digits, you know, cause I think there were in, in metrics of either 20 or 25% depends on like what, what the time period was, what kind of palette they were working with. So it was a very technical thing that that was going on. And then that would get passed off to what's called a separator. And the separator would kind of pin it up next to their monitor. And then in Photoshop, they would kind of like build it to match the thing that they got with like all the specifications. There was not a lot of artistry in that moment, but a lot of craft in order to get it right. And so certain separators were very good and certain separators were not, depending on like how good you were at interpreting things and how clear the directions were that the colorist gave you. Sometimes there were not very clear directions kind of muddled in in the paint, you know. Um, So at this point, there's no separator credited. So it's probably Rick doing it all himself, but still locked into the like whatever uh, uh, set of Pantone colors that he's like locked into whatever percent gradient. When I say like percents, I mean like, okay, so like you have uh, cyan and he might get gradients of 20%, 40%, 60%, 80%, 100% that he can play with. And then like that will mix with yellow. And so you'd, you'd end up with like, 40% cyan, 40% yellow, and you'd end up with like a green, like a light green kind of thing. Um, so yeah, he's probably doing this himself because there's no separator credited. And I think that Rick is also based on the letters that we have in the back of the book. I think that Rick is doing this himself at the DC offices. Like, I think he's part of the bullpen that's working on yeah. this stuff. So yeah, that's- yeah. That's a lot of steps. That's very, very convoluted. Um, yeah, that's my uh, quick rundown like, on like how color was made back then. If they, by the way, if they were making it like that when I got out of college, I would not be a colorist because it is, <laughs> it is labor intensive and is it is very technical. And like, I do not have the, especially when I was, you know, 21, I did not have the focus for something like that. Did, uh, did, 
uh, and again, you can keep this off the pod if you want. Did did Lee oh, ever talk about- work like that? Did did yeah, Lee ever work so, like that? Or I don't I'm not sure I, his, his age or like when that lined up. So yeah, yeah. Lee did some marker renderings. Um his studio Xylenol, Lee Lowridge is who we're talking about. Um, I worked there in like 2002 to 2005. Uh he did marker renderings. He wasn't doing them when I was there, but he had done them. Um he had some marker old marker renderings that were like around in the studio that you could check out if you wanted to uh, in like a big filing cabinet. There was like a handful of filing cabinets that were basically. DC Comics were putting out this this you could sign up for a box, right? So if you were a DC Comics regular, like say you were uh, Norm Brayfogle, who's been drawing Batman for years and years, right? You're you're in the you're in with the bat office. He would get a DC box and they would send him every month basically everything DC did. And there was two two boxes. There was one that was floppies only, like every single floppy that DC put out that month. And then there was another that was every single floppy that DC put out and every single trade paperback and hardcover. That like DC put out so Lee managed to to I don't know how, because like I was trying to get on this list for fucking years, dude. I I want to be on this list (laughs) so bad. And actually, uh, when he started editing over there, I was like, yo, can you get me on this list? I was like, everything's (laughs) digital now. Just just sign me up digitally. Uh, You don't even have to ship anything. And he was like, I signed up too many people. They're on me about it. I can't I can't put you on the list. I'm sorry. I've, I've added like, too many people to the guest list. I, I can't. Right, put right, right, right. Yeah, like, yeah. They've revoked yeah, my yeah. rights. So I've been trying to get on this this <laughs> this list because I, I just want to read everything. I just want to read everything. So, yeah. Anyway, so Lee was getting this box of basically all the floppies that DC made every month delivered to the studio. Xylenol Studios. Xylenol named for the uh, chemical in those markers and stuff that you would use for those separations that give the marker its color. So we had these filing cabinets in the back of the place that were just basically filled with comic books, but like not in any kind of organized way. Like when you imagine like a filing system, you're like, Oh, well they're in folders and like, you can go through them yeah. and, and like, know here's what's all the detective, no, here's all the they're, Batman, they're just all the Aquaman, fucking like... dumped in there. They were just like <laughs> no organization, nothing. And there was like, so there was just like a crap ton of DC comics back there. And then, uh, a lot of, uh, marker renderings that he did. And then at the time, um, in in the early 2000s, it was kind of a awkward era for tech. So to share files between computers, they were all networked together, but sometimes the network wouldn't be very reliable. And we were using uh, zip drives as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So there was like a bunch of just zip disks and like weird tech and solutions for that that were in there as well. Yeah, uh, intermediate stuff. Yeah. So and I've seen um, marker renderings go on sale on eBay. If anyone's interested in this stuff, like uh, Matt Hollingsworth will put up marker renderings every once in a while. Patricia Mulville as well, who's uh, an excellent colorist. Dude, I am. I am trying to work on Patricia Mulville, by the way. I picked (laughs) up some of her marker renderings for um, John Byrne Wonder Woman stuff. I have a beautiful double page spread of 
Wonder Woman and uh, The Question and Etrigan. It might be The Phantom Stranger and Etrigan, like wandering through this like, you know, maze of of brambles and statues. Uh, Freaking rad. I got that from Patricia Mulville. Uh, She uh, did marker renderings. She was one of the last people to do marker renderings before switching everybody switching over to Photoshop. She did uh, marker renderings for, I think, the first third of 100 bullets. And I want those. I want those so bad. I've asked her multiple times about them. I'm like, I just want a few. Just give me a couple. Because I've I seen them. Cause one. They, they they came through the studio like we were doing sets for hundred bullets. Yeah. So like I've seen them all. I know they exist. I know they're gorgeous and they're different than what hit print. And it's like such a neat piece of comic history. But she's like, she will not part with them. She's like, they are my babies. She was like, I I can. There's such a level of craft in them. And she did such a great job. And then Rizzo is obviously Eduardo Rizzo's like so good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. 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 I, I don't think. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't give those up either. I don't think yeah. I can get like I can get. Very, I'm not. I can get very sentimental with certain things. Not a lot of things. Sure. But certain things that I'm very sentimental with. I'm I'm very, I'm like save it from a fire rather than like my sure, expensive sure. computer thing you know you know what i mean it's the kind <laughs> right, of like right, right. like y- y- you know like yeah. so i get i get it i get it oh that's oh, that's amazing yeah i have a i have a short list of like wish list stuff from this era of comics where it's kind of like a weird you're not you haven't completely switched to digital but digital has pushed comic book coloring to be more than just kind of paint by numbers, which it was in like the sixties and seventies and like yeah. to a lesser extent, the eighties, the nineties were kind of this weird transitional time where you could still kind of get these very interesting marker renderings. And a lot of the marker renderings too, wouldn't have text balloons on it. So it's like, you're getting like the full piece of art, like from the boards, you know, it's, it's really neat yeah. stuff. If you're into comics at all and into process, these things are very cool and you can usually get them a lot cheaper than like, you know, a Wonder Woman John Byrne page, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to look those up. 